This match will decide the United States heavyweight champion. Fans introducing, first of all, in the corner to my left, from the Soviet Union, 137 kilos, accompanied by Ivan Koloff, the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. His opponent from Virginia Beach, Virginia, 245 pounds, Magnum T.A. Face to be nation, welcome back to NWA Crock and Roll. Yes, you heard that right. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and we are back, rebooted, refreshed, ready to go uh, nine months later. And no, I did not have a baby, and neither did either of my co-hosts. But we are back, and we have kind of restructured, rebooted a little bit, and we are going to pick up right where we left off at episode number 54, right after the Great American Bash. But I am not here alone. No, I do not have Dr. G. No, I do not have Colin McDougal, but I do have Scott Shiflett. Scott, how are you tonight? Uh, Sean, you know, it feels good to be back. Um, we were watching this stuff. Uh, it made me a little nostalgic. I know I joined um, about halfway through y'all's run, but uh, we, we picked up right where we left off uh, with, with these watches, and I can't, wait, I can't wait to get to them tonight. Yeah, me too, and it's kind of a little different. We're not going by every promo. We're not going... Every single episode of the syndicated shows, every single episode of the Saturday night show, what we're going to do is try to condense uh, a couple months worth of shows into one episode to kind of get to the end game quicker. Um, Tonight, what we're going to cover is basically August through September of 86. And really interesting watch here. And I'll get to that in a minute after I introduce our next co-host. But um, just for some context, Dr. G and Column are not here uh, schedules are still schedules and things like that. So it makes it really hard for all of us to get together. Scott is a consistent. So Scott, I do thank you for being the one that regularly can join me. Uh, Dr. G and Colin, I'm sure will join us at some point during the future of this uh, show as we go on, but we will have rotating guests as we move forward. And our first rotating guest tonight was actually kind of the semi-regular towards the end. It actually did the great American bass watch with us. Logan Crossland, how are you tonight? Yeah, after that pot, I kind of wanted to jump off the bus, but I got back on, and I'm happy to be here. So uh, looking forward to talking about the matches we have tonight. Yeah, I think we have a pretty good set of matches to watch tonight. And uh, for those of you that don't know, during the absence of NWA Crock and Roll, we did convert over to the North-South Connection and went back and watched some other WCW on the Seven Months of Danger where we covered the Dangerous Alliance era of WCW. And as we record this tonight... We are one week away of recording the finale from that. So kind of uh, refreshing to get back to this as we close out that chapter. Um, and Logan, I do thank you for joining us tonight. And Logan will be a regular featured person on this. But again, he'll be more of a rotated guest. Uh, Schiff will be a regular here on the show. And we will be joined by others. And again, hopefully Dr. G and 
uh, Colin will be able to join us here on occasion as well. So with that, uh, let's talk basically about what Sean, basically what Sean is saying is me and Sean are Arn and Rick. You guys can figure out which one is which. Uh, Logan, Doctor G, and Callum are you know the Barry Windhams, the Tully Blanchards, uh, the Lex Luger's, the Stings. They're the rotating members. Uh, you know I'm not gonna call one of them the Paul Roma, but I will. Uh, I was about to call myself that. So the Stephen Michaels, <laughs> the Stids. Oh God, I hope none of you are the Benoits. Oh God. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, so let's talk about where we left off. So we left off at. In September of 2022, gents, and we left off at the end of the Great American Bash. And what's interesting about the bash, and I think as we ended that, literally Dusty Rhodes had run to, won the World Heavyweight title. We were still in the middle of the Best of Seven series. But if I recall, uh, Scott, no other titles changed hands during the entire, entire American Bash, with the exception of the World title, and that was at the very end, Correct. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I know we had the best of seven series for the uh, U.S. title going on, but like you know, Crockett at this time has AEW levels of amount of titles, so they they could have like swapped another one. They could, and what's interesting is the majority of the titles they swap happen in our watch tonight. So are you guys ready to jump right into it? Yes. All right, so we're gonna go right into August. So we're coming out of July. We're coming out of the bash. The best of seven is still going on. Dusty Rhodes is your world heavyweight champion. Um, everybody else is still the champion. And you know what? I didn't put together the champion roll call in this, but we will go through that in detail tonight because really we're covering pretty much every single title in this podcast tonight. So first off, we'll start with, there's going to be a few things I mentioned. Then there'll be some things that we watched and we'll go into detail on the things we watched. So the first thing I'm going to mention, on August the 2nd, uh, Mr. Electricity... Is it? Oh, well, Logan, very big day. And I know this was uh, 40 years or 50 years before you were born. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Electricity, Stephen Regal, defeated Denny Brown for the NWA Junior Heavyweight title. Do you think he was still wearing that sweet pink polo that he was wearing when he cut that promo? That I made don't him look know. Like a mechanic? I, uh, he might, but I bet I think at this point, Denny Brown still had that Burger King crown title that had the big, huge crown on the front of it. If you recall that one, Schiff. Yes. Yeah, so we have a new uh, junior heavyweight champion in Stephen Regal. On July the 9th, guess what? Ric Flair regained the world heavyweight title from Dusty Rhodes. Uh, and two days prior to that in Kansas City, Tully Blanchard had, had attacked Dusty's leg, and that set up Flair's win. So we don't have any video of that, um, so therefore we didn't watch it. But we do have um, a pretty interesting rematch uh, that they have uh, during the month of August tonight to talk about. But uh, Logan, any thoughts on Dusty Rhodes winning the title back in July? I think it was July 23rd and then losing it literally three weeks later. Uh, it sounds about like uh, Crockett booking. So that makes total sense and doesn't sound shocking at all. That is why Mr. Flair was a 16 time champion because he had the habit of winning the title and losing it uh, somewhat quickly, uh, but held it for a good bit. And then, held, you know, he would win it right back is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, yeah, not shocking. And, and, yeah, and actually. With him losing it in New Zealand, you know, in you know, in in Japan a couple of times, like they think he's like nineteen or twenty three time champion, but that's just mm. recognized title reigns. Yeah, that is correct. And by the way, this would also be Dusty Rhodes' last title reign as a world champion. So he's three time champion. That would be his last one, and it only lasted three weeks. So, um, spoiler alert on the uh, match we'll watch here later. Uh, Dusty doesn't become champion again, but there is an interesting development. We'll get to that later. So, um, right out of the gate. 
first nine days of August, we have two new champions, new junior heavyweight champion, Ric Flair is world champion once again. So we're going to jump forward to uh, two matches that took place on August the 16th. Our first one takes place on Worldwide Wrestling in syndication. It is match number six in the best of seven between Magnum and Nikita. So this continued on through the month of August. It did not complete during the bash. Um, Nikita is up three to two. So this is kind of do or die time for Magnum because if he doesn't win, he's in big trouble. So really big fight feel here. Um, um, Tommy holds up the belt. Uh, how do you feel about Tommy Young here, Schiff? Fuck him. Okay. Uh, we'll probably hear a lot of that tonight. So Tommy Young holds up the belt. And Tony, of course, is doing the ring announcements. Nikita is out with Crusher Khrushchev. Um, it is reiterated that if TA loses, we will have a new champion tonight, Nikita Koloff. It's another hot crowd as always. The match starts with some intense tie-ups. Um, there's a crisscross into a TA dropkick. Um, and when he ducked a sickle and he sends T- uh, Nikita outside, uh, TA works the arm with a hammerlock and knees. I also like, like that he tries to turn the hammerlock into a pin. So that was pretty cool. TA does an Austin Indian death lock to, in, um, to an arm while he has him in a hammerlock. Um, really, I thought that was kind of cool because you don't typically see Indian death locks in an arm hold, which I thought was pretty neat. They end up outside and TA keeps on the hammerlock and throws Nikita into the post. We come back from commercial and Nikita's in control, but TA charges the corner and Nikita uh, rams his arm into the turnbuckle and then Nikita comes back with a cobra clutch. TA fights out, a boot to Nikita's face. Nikita keeps coming back and drops knees on um, uh, TA's back and then sends TA outside. Um, he drops he then brings, uh, he drops TA throat first on the top turnbuckle, on the top rope. Um, then he gets a rear ch- uh, chin lock. TA skates, but then there's a sickle by Nikita, a back suplex. But then uh, later, TA gets a boot to the face off a throw to the rope. Nikita, again, cuts him down into the corner. It's like what I love about this, it's really a great story of Nikita being unrelenting and TA just not giving up. Um, TA uh, eventually turns a face lock into a suplex and starts firing away at Nikita and does a drop kick for two. But Crusher gets a, uh, puts his foot on the rope. David Crockett and the crowd at this point have absolutely lost it. Uh, TA goes out after Crusher Khrushchev. Nikita gets a knee to uh, Madeline's back and also sends Young to the outside at the same time. Uh, there's a sickle by Nikita and a cover, but there's no ref um, and the foot's under the rope. Uh, Jackie Fargo comes out and counts three and gives Nikita the belt. But Tommy Young finally mans up as a ref and calls bullshit. Um, he pulls the belt. Uh, uh, he pulls the belt. Um, and then the belt is a belly to belly by T.A. And then he gets the three count finally, ties the best of seven to an absolute crazy reaction. This was crazy. T.A.'s reaction also is fantastic. Um, Schiff, you've been along the ride with me on this whole T.A. Nikita thing. I think we watched like 20 matches between the two. And this was finally the match I was waiting for them. This is a really great story of T.A. and adversity. Again, Nikita not backing down and all the marbles on the line. Hot crowd, great commentary. And finally, we get Nikita TA match. I desperately wanted 16 minutes of just pure great. I went 3.75 on this. How'd you feel? The nostalgia was kicking in, Sean, and the crowd wasn't just hot; it was molten. Like yes, it was. And like hearing the crowd so hyped gets me like more excited to watch a match. Um, and I, I just, I just loved all this. Like, like you said, like I, um, I loved like the the limb work that was happening. Um, and Nikita was just like. I mean, Nikita, sorry, Magnum was just not saying de- like staying down, like um, like it was it was just awesome, like you know when they um when Magnum hit the belly to belly, like the pop was just massive, like oh my god, and like it just happened so quick, like after the schmas with 
you know, Nikita hitting the Russian sickle, but, you know, Magnum had his leg under the ropes. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, is it really going to end like this? And then you see it like it, it's the perfect story being told, being down 3-0, then tying it back up 3-3. I went four and a quarter, but, like, it – like, I, and I even messaged you you guys in, in our chat talking about this. And I know I've said this on previous pods, but I'm just going to reiterate it because it's not much we're going to actually have with Magnum. It breaks my heart because this is probably the apex of his career, but it shouldn't have been. The apex should have come four months later when he would have won the title from Flair at Starcade. But, you know, he was like a supernova and he just burned out, sadly. And it was no, you know, it was no one's fault. He just got, he fell asleep. It was the car accident. So, like, it, it, it just breaks my heart, man. Like, it, it's, it's it just sad. Like, yeah, and unfortunately, and unfortunately, on our next episode, um, on our next episode, we'll actually cover that whole thing with Magnum because the next episode is one we'll talk about it as an accident. But um, at least on this one, we actually get two matches tonight of these two, and this one, this one just started off red hot right out of the gate. So you went four and a quarter, I went three point seven five. Logan, what did you go? I'm going to go right in the middle. Um, I, I thought it was great as well. Um, Nikita took every kind of steroid before this match. Uh, he was absolutely <laughs> he geeked to the gills. Uh, lots of lockups and good back and forth struggle early for the crowd. Uh, they were on fire. Um, it was interesting to see a Kimura armbar uh, back at this point by uh, Magnum. Uh, but it's good to see the Russian Nightmare doesn't pass out like a bitch like the American Nightmare does. So um, uh. good to see that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of grind them down holds, uh, not just a ton of moves per se, but uh, it was just amazing. And the, the fact that this is the sixth match of the series, it kind of makes sense that they're just trying to wear each other down and just really grind each other down to the point where they can hit that one last shot and uh, get the get the final pinfall. Um, but the last few minutes are absolutely unbelievable crowd and action. Uh, just uh, the, I thought the sickle was sick uh, that he hit. I thought the ref spot was a little unnecessary but it made the belly and the pin even more awesome because the crowd just like like uh like shifts just was molten so uh just awesome stuff so i went right in the middle of you guys all right perfect so yeah really really great match to kick us back off here on the reboot uh this is match number six and we'll talk about match number seven here in a minute but really if you've never seen this one in the best of seven go out of your way to see this one this one's really really great all right um our next match also this one's actually from a house show, and it's from August 16th, um, 1986, and it is from Philadelphia. And it's a two out of three falls match for the world uh, tag team titles. It is a Midnight Express uh, versus the Rock and Roll Express. And if you remember from the Great American Bash, um, the Rock and Roll Express was um, actually had a lot. We're feuding with the uh, horsemen of Ole and Arn Anderson, and the Midnight Express was primarily feuding with uh, Baby Doll, Magnum, and Dusty. So interesting rematch here for the World Tag Team titles at the Midnight Express. One from the Rock and Rolls um, all the way back in February, and it's two out of three falls. So first fall, um, Morton had three atomic drops in a row on Dennis. <coughs> that Dennis sold like a fire. There was long heat on Morton, a great tag work by the Midnight Express. Bobby hits the divorce court on Morton. Uh, the DD to the arm move, which, you know, maybe the first time I'd ever seen him use it and he uses that a lot, but they call that move the divorce court. And I love that DDT on the arm. I think it's great. Um, I thought it just looked savage. There was finally a hot tag. Robert hits a lightning quick, small package on Eaton for a three count. Um, I really like this because the whole entire first spot, <coughs> typically with the rock and roll express and midnight express, they start off super, super fast. I thought it was a little bit more, more methodical and slower pace for a rock and roll match. So, uh, fall number one goes to the Rock and Roll Express. Number two, 
Uh, Robert went for the same small uh, package, but Eaton breaks it up and pulls the rope down to send Robert over the top to the floor, which allowed Condry to work his back with two backbreakers. And actually, I thought the second fall was a pretty late three count for the Midnights uh, working over Robert's back. So the Midnight Express win fall number two. Fall number three, the Midnight Express double team and beat up Robert. They hit a rocket launcher into the back that a bear hug spot as they work the back continuously. Bobby then hits an awesome elbow to the back for its uh, two because the foot's on the ropes. Robert finally hits a neat lift to Dennis for the hot tag. Warren gets a suplex to Condry. <clears throat> awesome top rope drop kick. Bobby comes in, but Robert blocks, distracted the ref to push Robert out. But um, anyway, so the ref is distracted. They push Robert out of the ring. Bobby goes up top and clobbers Ricky, who is pinning Condry. Uh, Bobby covers, but is it legal as Robert stops the rest pin? Dennis hits a sick running knee to Orton. Uh, I'm sorry, a sick uh, running knee uh, to. Uh, God damn it. I fucking fucked my notes up, guys. So anyway, Dennis hits a running knee. I know. And then the Midnight Express double team Robert. Dennis goes back to Ricky, who has climbed the apron. He goes to body slam him, but Ricky reverses it into a small package for three, and we have new tag team champions. The crowd again goes nuts. Cornette throws a fit. I thought this is a really fun match. Again, a little slower than some might expect, but I like the pace and the tag work by all. I didn't like the second fall too much, but I thought the first fall and the third fall were pretty great. I went 3.25 all in. Logan, what did you go on this? And I apologize for fucking my notes up. <laughs> no, you're good. It, it happens to the best of us. Um, yes. I went three on it. Um, like you said, it starts a lot slower than I would have expected, uh, considering the Rock and Roll Express was in it. But uh, I, I think it only lasts kind of as long as the Midnight Express were in control in that first fall, which wasn't super long, so the Rock and Rolls kind of come in and speed it up. Um, there was a, one point where I think Eaton was about to get back body dropped, and he just elbowed whoever was back body dropping him in the back of the head. I've never seen that, but I really like mm-hmm. that reversal of that. Um Everything after the hot tag to the end of the first fall was great. Uh, nonstop action and a solid surprise roll-up to take it. Um, I kind of with you, uh, good action to start the second fall, but it was kind of a weak finish, and there wasn't. Uh, it kind of slowed down a little bit more than I would have liked to uh, at that point. Uh, they really wear down Gibson for a good bit. There was a pretty devastating running power slam, followed by a slingshot splash that I thought was really cool. Um, good flying elbow by Bobby Eaton at one point. Um, Morton finally gets the tag and comes in a house of fire. Um, there are a couple of ref fuck-ups in this one, but Gibson luckily saves us from a possible other one, and then Morton gets the roll-up for the win. So, yeah, like I said, I went three. Uh, not the best match that I think these two teams have ever had, but a, a solid one nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, for it was I mean, it was kind of house showish in a lot of ways, and again, like really slower pace, but... Again, pretty good title change, a little bit of change of pace between the two teams, but not a terrible match at all. Uh, Schiff, what did you think? Surprisingly, I liked the, uh, the the start of the match, how it was a little slower, because I feel they were pacing themselves because it was best two out of three. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed like like that. It felt like uh, it was like more psychological that they were doing. Um, I liked how uh, they were working over Condry's arm in the very beginning, and like actually Condry selling the atomic drop was great. Um and I was shocked at how much like Rock and Roll was express, uh, Rock and Roll Express was um, in ch- in charge for Fall One. Like it, it they swapped the uh, psychology of the wrestling. It's usually like the heels are get Fall One, and then like they have to battle like and then the baby has to has to battle back. So I like that. Um, you know, uh, so like I like Robert getting the inside cradle to take Fall One. As someone who's had to watch a lot of two out of three Fall matches for uh, as we mentioned Seven Months of Danger. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess the timing is kind of shit. Yeah, talk about timing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, and I, I did like after Fall One that then like after that Robert Gibson did not get any offense until like the last couple of minutes of Fall Three. Like they were just working him over like with multiple backbreakers. Like I even have like good shit is happening. That that is my note. And like they were just dominating him. It was like what you love about a heel Southern uh, tag team. Like you know that doesn't always like beg off. They can actually like fight in the ring too. Um, I loved when Ricky ran in after when it was uh tied one one and like tried to help but it's shown back and like the heels just like took advantage. That's something that uh Crockett and WCW tag tag team wrestling is known for. Um but yeah it's like like he got no offense at all for like the first like three or four minutes of until he got the hot tag and then it was all Ricky and I love the missile drop kick that you mentioned Sean. That was a beautiful missile drop kick. Um and I love how then Midnight Express cheated and Robert like saved it. It was awesome. And I wasn't expecting a title change here. So when Ricky got out and he reversed the slam for three, I was shocked. I, I went four stars on this. Like I, wow. I, I don't know if it was nostalgia for being gone for so long, but I was just like, holy crap. Like this is great. Like, um, I was like, let's do it. And yeah, it was awesome. He's really right, excited. Well, no, no. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, well, I think he's really excited to get away from uh, 23 episodes of watching uh, the Dangerous Alliance and getting back to some old school wrestling. <laughs> probably that'd be my guess. But no, I mean, again, it's a really good match, and it's interesting to hear uh, both your perspectives. It seems like Logan and I are more aligned around kind of the, like how we feel about it versus Schiff. You seem really excited about it. So, but still, all in, we're still saying these are both both these matches we talked about tonight have been really, really great. So, um, all right. So now, if so, if you think about it, so we came out of the bash, we had one title change. So now, literally in the first couple weeks of August, we've already had three. Yeah, it so, feels like a weird reset is going on, and it makes you wonder why didn't they just do it at the bash? Because yeah. then for future bashes, they could be like, "This is what happened last year." Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, I spent like if I'm a fan and I spent money, like imagine if you're, you know, you have like you have those diehards that follow the WWE all over the world or whatever. Imagine if I'm like that guy who wanted follow the bash on the world tour during the bash months and then not one title change hands and then i find out all these titles change hands in august and september i'm gonna be like well fuck that bash i ain't going next year right it's kind of like what's the big deal like no title change hands so they, they wrecked any- everybody in <laughs> that's what good, good territory yeah, they, uh, i think in there yeah i mean i it guess is. it was it like sold off a war game it was sold off of war games so but still, like well, we didn't have just... war games at '86. That was '87. Oh, you're right. You're right. Never mind. Sorry. Which we'll cover on this show eventually. But yeah, there's no war games this year. This is just flat out. I mean, you got country singing and wrestling. That's it. I think I think so. they knew people would show up uh, to the Great American Bash tour, so they were like, eh, maybe maybe to get more people to come after this, they would do a couple title changes. But then they have them roped in again and don't do another one for a while or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and what's also interesting, okay, so our next match. So the last match we talked about with Nikita uh, was also on, was on Worldwide. That was uh, match six. So this one is also on TV. Um, so they give away the last two matches for free on TV, yet they didn't do anything. They didn't finish the best of seven on the Bash Tour, but now I can sit at home and I can watch it. So here we are, guys. August 23rd, it is the final match of the best of seven before uh, between Magnum uh, TA and Nikita Koloff. So this is it. This is the final one. Um, so we started off with, there's a sickle duck by TA, a body press, Nikita kicks out and TA drop kicks him, um, in the back and sends him over the top rope. <coughs> David actually, he sends it into a fit thinking, uh, Magna would be DQ'd and he would lose the best of seven on a DQ. I thought that was pretty funny. It should have, but <laughs> uh, Tommy, Tommy Young sucks as a ref. Well, he, well, he, 
Well, he goes, Tony says Young said it wasn't intentional and it was only momentum. He justified it in commentary shift. I don't know if you caught that or not. No, I did. Um, that they always do that for the baby faces, never the heels. Sorry. Well, I, but I also thought that was really cool by Tony and David to kind of sell that, by the way, to kind of save that from being a DQ. I kind of like that, actually. Uh, David really gets into TA working in Nikita's arms. Like, he's really into that whole, like, I don't know if he's having an orgasm or not, but he's, like, really into the arms and back yelling, going deeper and deeper. Like, he's really, like, having a fit. It's fantastic. Um, he also gets pissed at Tommy Young paying attention to Ivan outside versus the match, which is typical Tommy. Uh, <coughs> TA maintains a hammerlock on Nikita. The alligator rolls him outside, which I thought was pretty badass. Uh, TA holds onto the hammerlock, and he throws Nikita's shoulder into the post. There's a top rope axe handle for two, then another crisscross and leapfrog, and uh, TA with an arm drag, and Keith's working the arm. TA misses a cross body and falls to the outside. Nikita rams his back into the apron. Uh, then Nikita works it back for a while, ramming it multiple times into the corner. Nikita actually does a one-arm slam and an elbow, and then there's a bear hug. I really like TA actually sits, uh, slips his hand through and hip tosses Nikita and comes back with an awesome punch as a drop kick. Um, he covers by the rope, and Ivan pulls him out of the ring by his hair. But TA does a pile driver on the concrete. And then TA's back in and starts wailing on Nikita. Crusher Khrushchev out on the apron and distracts Tommy Young. TA gets a belly-to-belly to cover. Um, TA goes after Crusher Khrushchev. But Nikita mounts the second rope with the chain and sickles him with the chain for three. Uh, once TA turns around, David Crockett protests and is fucking livid. But however, Koloff is the U.S. champion. And this brings the series and the build that we've been talking about since January of 86 to a close. Again, uh, great energy, um, you know, with the chain being done. Uh, Tommy Young is an idiot. Uh, T.A. is an incredible fired up baby face with no, I mean, just no quit. And his evolution on this pod for me has been a story to watch unfold. And Schiff, you brought it up. What happens to him is a tragedy because this best of seven series, even though he lost it, has sent him freaking like with the rocket strap just through like through to the moon. So. Uh, not as good to me as the uh, match we watched uh, earlier tonight, but still a really good match. I actually went three and a quarter on this, so Schiff, I'll go to you. What did you think of this? I love the arm work. Uh, I wasn't as orgasmic as uh, as um, Dude, Crockett. He, he was out of control. Deeper, deeper. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I, I, I liked it because it takes away the sickle. Um, so he can't use it. So I thought that was pretty smart. And yeah. I love Magnum missing the cross body block and went on the floor. And then Nikita started working Magnum's back right there. And then Nikita actually dropped Magnum throat first onto the rope, which I, I loved. And like Nikita was just working the back. Magnum was selling like it was like the end. And Nikita, even when he had the bear hug, Magnum was dead weight. And then like, um, you know, Magnum got a whole spot with the sunset flip. And, you know, I, but, you know, Nikita working the back. I thought Magnum was going to win. So I was I was blown away when uh, he got the super when Nikita hit the super sickle with the chain. I, I went uh, I went four stars on this. Like I said, I I I'm a little shocked. I'm seem to be above you all uh, on this watch so far. But, yeah, I, I went four stars. I, I loved it. A hell of a yeah. last two matches. Yeah, don't be shocked. I mean, again, hell of a two. I, I will tell you. When I watched this when I was 13 and uh, Magnum lost this, I literally lost my shit watching it on the TV. I was fucking furious. So they did. Crockett did his job here. Um, Logan, what'd you think of this? Yeah, I wasn't as impressed with this one as you, as well as or the same as you, Sean. I, I went three and a half. I still really liked it. Um, I just don't think it was quite as good as the first one. Um, a lot of lockups and wear down holds to start off, uh, kind of like the last match. Magnum really goes for the arm, like Shiv said, to kind of take the sickle away from things. Um, 
he gets a little too over overzealous at one point, goes for a dive and misses misses that, which kind of leads to Nikita starting to work the back. So that was a, a good. Uh, he he did good taking on, on on that after after he missed the dive. Um, there was a disgusting pile driver on the floor, um, mm-hmm. and then Khrushchev so it proves to kind of be the difference, and he provides enough of a distraction so uh, that Nikita can use the chain and take the belt. So yeah, I, I didn't like this one quite as much, but uh, I did enjoy it uh, as as at the same time. Yeah. So again, I mean, back to back, three really really great matches. Schiff, I'm impressed. I mean. I'm not giving you shit for liking these matches. I'm glad you love them, especially for the uh, being in 1986. I'm impressed. Yeah, um, I, I was just blown away. And spoiler alert, I love all the matches tonight. So it wasn't. I mean, we got some downloads towards the end, but first four or five were chef's kiss. Well, the down, the down ones at the end, I think, are expected based on who's involved. But we'll get to that. We get to the end for sure. Um, because that person has no business uh, winning a certain title that he wins at that point at this stage in the game. But we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. So, again, here we are, August 23rd, less than a month, uh, month out of the bash. Again, another new champion. But I was going to have a champion coming out of it. I just didn't expect it to be Nikita at the time. But here we are, new U.S. champion Nikita Koloff. <clears throat> and he would hold this title for a long, long time. So we will uh, study that journey of Nikita, U.S. champion, as we go through the history of this pod as we go on. All right. So also on August 23rd, also the same uh, night, actually. Uh, so bef- prior to this. OK, so anyway, this is an angle that we're going to talk about. Uh, we already know that uh, Dusty Rhodes has lost the world heavyweight title back to Ric Flair. Well, the same night that Nikita won the U.S. title from Nikita. I'm sorry, Nikita won the U.S. title from Magnum. There is a televised World Heavyweight title match, rematch between Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. And, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that. I mean, again, this on TV, it's like, holy shit. Like, imagine back at the time seeing Hulk Hogan defend his title on WWF TV on Saturday night's main event. Yeah, but you would never have seen it on, like, a syndicated superstars or challenge or anything like that. So this is a big deal. So... Huge TV main event rematch. Um, Dusty starts out by strutting around with his hand on his package and posing and taunting Flair in the corner. Really great fire from Rhodes on a press slam and multiple elbows to Flair. The crowd, again, still hot. Uh, Flair has to collect himself uh, ringside as they keep closing in on the intensity of Baby Doll's face. So they really keep putting it on Baby Doll, which makes sense as this plays out. Um, Dream just stays lit with shoulder tackles and a hip toss, which continues to infuriate Flair. Dusty bails outside when Flair kicks his injured knee. Uh, Dusty back in more uh, with more energy. I mean, with more elbows and a rubbing crotch elbow to Flair, which I thought was funny. And again, no matter what Flair does, a Dusty catches him at every turn. And there's such energy in this match between the two in the crowd. It's just really good symmetry between the two. Flair finally gets a sleeper, but Dusty sends her to the turnbuckle. Um, but Flair, who never learns, goes up top and gets tossed down. Dusty with a figure four as we go into commercial when we come back. Flair still uh, starts working Dusty's knee. Dusty kicks him off um, and punches him over the top rope. But Flair pulls him outside. Dusty throws him um, into the post. Dusty starts biting and punches the head back in the ring. Um, he does the up and over the corner spot. Suplex back into the ring for two. A clothesline. Flair is now bleeding. Dusty covers and the ref counts. But Baby Doll puts Ric Flair's foot on the ropes. And the crowd and announcers again. Here we go again. Fucking livid. Dusty is confused. Uh, Flair back into working the leg, and there's a figure four, but Dusty reverses, and he's yelling at Baby Doll at the same time. Tommy Young, of course, gets knocked outside as Dusty knocks Flair into him. There's a clothesline to Flair, but no cover. No ref repeatedly uh, 
The baby doll comes up with a chair, goes to the ring. She goes to hit Dusty, but he moves and grabs the chair. And then he attacks Flair's leg, and the ref calls the DQ. The Blanchard, Blanchard comes in and attacks. Um, he gets pelted with soda, but um, he grabs the chair and attacks Dusty. And finally, Rock and Roll Express and TA come in for the save. Um, as the heels bail with a baby doll, and she smiles at the camera. So this match was straight fire. Dusty was fucking lit, but um, the turn is so out of nowhere. And believe Dunn basically distanced himself from Baby Doll because of what happens with her marrying Sam Houston. Um, I like again. I, I again the title change. Why not just do that here? Why didn't they? Why did they have to do it earlier? They could have just done it here with the Baby Doll turn. Um, I just think it's odd booking, especially coming again right out of the bash and her whole Cornette angle. This just seems so out of nowhere. Um, nonetheless, the match itself, um, the ending aside, was great. Fired up, energized entertainment. And for me, this is a really great Dusty showcase on free TV. Um, so I. Three and a half on this, and again, uh, this was more about Baby Doll turn, but the match itself was fantastic. Um, and by the way, Baby Doll is not here much longer because she actually ends up going to Central States with Sam Houston because, uh, yeah, Dusty doesn't want her anywhere around Crockett anymore. So, Logan, I will go to you. What did you think of this match? And the, and the heel turn by Baby Doll that came out of nowhere. You're supposed to be a one-man woman, baby, and you're supposed to be my woman. I'm just playing. Um, yeah, I, I went three and a quarter. Uh, I was a little lower on it than you, but I, I still enjoyed it at the same time. Um, Dusty really dominated uh, this one almost throughout. Uh, really beat uh, Flair Pillar to post with big elbows and punches. Uh, I did think at one point that uh, Flair kicks Dusty in the knee, and that is the first offense he gets in the whole match. And Dusty, being the uh, bitch that he is, rolls out immediately after that. Easy to see where his son gets the uh, family bitchiness at, so th- there's that. How dare um, you? <laughs> I'm talking about Cody, not Dustin. <laughs> Still, how dare you? <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love Logan's shitting on Cody Rhodes. I, I watched this right after he passed out in the Kimura hold to uh, Lesnar, so uh, th- th- that's where most of this is coming from. Uh, anyways, uh, Flair, Flair even jobs to the ref in this one. He gets pushed down at one point pretty uh, violently. Um, we come back from commercial, and after Dusty has dominated the whole match, Flair is somehow on offense. Um, I do think this match was le- this was less about the match and more about the turn. Obviously, I think it was more of an angle. But uh, Dusty dominated at least ninety percent of this match, which was entertaining, and the crowd was totally hot for. Uh, but definitely not how I saw this match go, and I figured it'd be a little more back and forth. Yep. So, but again. For free TV, holy shit, you got Nikita oh, yeah, versus so. Jay and Dusty versus Flair in the same freaking weekend. That's nuts. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Shiff, what would you think? Uh, so, sorry. I, I, it sounded like you called him shit there for a second. No, I said Shiff. I, I did I know, say Shiff. I know, I know. Brain, brain went out. Uh, Logan, what did you go? Uh, I went three and a quarter. And I, Logan, went, three, I, mean, and I went three and a half. All right. Uh, well, I'm going three and three quarters. Um, like I said, I, I was in a great mood. I wasn't. A sourpuss like Logan, obviously. Um, now wait a minute, three and a quarter is not. I just that. didn't think. It, I just didn't think it was more about. I didn't think it was much about the match. I thought it was more. I know. I, it was good uh, action. Yeah, <laughs> I. I was just loving. I was just loving it. I loved how it was dusty in control. Like Flair was just begging off, and like you said, uh, Logan, he didn't do it until he started working over Dusty's knee, and Dusty went outside and he came back and hit another elbow, and uh, Flair just stalled a lot. Uh, when he was not on offense, uh, so like he was get like he would just duck out of the ring, you know. Dusty hit the ten count in the corner, and then like Flair with the rake to the eyes. Um, Dusty knocked Flair over the top rope, and no DQ was called because they said it was Flair's momentum. 
I love how it just happens. When That's the, so stupid. I hate that so much. <laughs> me too. Um, don't worry. WCW doesn't get rid of it until 1997. Um, <laughs> Dusty has uh, the figure four on Flair. I always like watching the, their matches with each other. I always forget that Dusty uses the figure four as well. Um, and then like, Dusty bites Flair's head and like hammers out, hammers and was hammering his head. So like you know that's how we get the color. Um, and like I love them. Flair was working Dusty's knee to get ready for the figure four. But like when Dusty tried to reverse it, but Baby Doll actually helps Flair. And then Dusty reverses it, and then he asks Baby Doll why. And um, then like we you know the chop block Dusty, and Dusty knock gets uh kicks Flair into Young. You know Dusty has to get his visual pin. Baby Doll gets the chair and misses a chair shot. Like how bad of a person is she is trying to cheat? Like everything she does goes wrong. Um, and then Dusty uses the chair on Flair. Uh, Tommy Young rings bell, and I love like how we transition Dusty from. Uh, Flair to Tully. Um, and Tully runs in and starts beating Dusty with a chair. And then Magnum runs in because that's where the feud was going was Magnum and Flair, sadly. But uh, we see Baby Dolls now with the Horseman. Yeah, Baby Dolls with the Horseman, and it has very short lived. Like I said, she will be joining her husband in Central States Wrestling very, very shortly. So, um, so I don't know how much we'll talk about Baby Doll much more on this pod at this point. Um, she will return in '88 though. But you know who she comes back and manages in 1988, gentlemen? It's the Barbarian, right? Uh, one, Larry Zabisco. Oh, God. I wish it would have <laughs> been the Barbarian. It would be, no, it is Larry Zabisco. She had, no, she had the war, she's managing the Warlord right now as we speak in 86. Um, That's what it was. She does make an appearance in November for a short period of time, uh, managing the Midnight Express, believe it or not, but it's only a one off appearance when Jim Cornette's recuperating from his broken leg after falling off the scaffold. Uh, but then we don't see her again until she comes back and managing Zabisco. So you will see that her. That was a Mad Lib you just yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, you like that? You like that? <laughs> that was a word salad. Word salad. <laughs> word salad. So you will see her again eventually, but it might be a little while. Um, so yeah, so that, yeah, so again, uh, Baby Doll has turned U.S. champion, uh, new junior heavyweight champion, new world tag team champions, and we're going to continue on this journey. So, uh, we did not watch these, but here's the next thing I'll mention. So on August 28th, I'm sorry, August 28th, 1986, uh, podcast favorite, uh, Colin McDougal's favorite wrestler, Wahoo McDaniel, beats Tully Blanchard for the national heavyweight title in L.A. Big uh, Crockett territory there in L.A. I mean, come on, really? Um, and then on September 1st, Denny Brown wins the junior heavyweight title back for Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, and Steve Regal goes bye-bye. You'd never see him ever again. And then on September 2nd, uh, Ronnie, the hands of stones, Garvin beats black Bart for the middle Atlantic title. So how many title changes is that in the span of one, two, <laughs> that's what I think. You think that's all? Yeah. So again, none of those title changes really mean a whole lot, but <laughs> shift to your point, this will transition totally over to dusty. And that'll all make sense as we talk about dusty's match in September. When we get to that, so a lot of title changes here in a short amount of time. Coming out of the Great American Bash. All right, so now we're going to go into September 1st of 1986. And we are going to our third Battle of the Belts. Now, we have covered the first two Battle of the Belts on this podcast. We are going to cover uh, Battle of the Belts 3. And this is from Daytona Beach, Florida. 8,000 fans. This did, this did air locally. Now, we're only going to talk about two specific matches in detail. Uh, because they actually uh, have the Road Warriors in it, and uh, it's Lex Luger versus Ric Flair in another two out of three falls match tonight. And by the way, guys, I want to mention one more thing. 
Uh, Magnum and Nikita actually have one more rematch in September on TV, which is also a two out of three falls match. So a lot of two out of three falls matches going on here. I did not put that on our watch tonight because obviously Magnum didn't win it. Uh, but if you ever want to check that out, that is from September. You can find that match on YouTube if anyone ever wants to check that out. So I will go over the other matches that were on this show. Logan and Schiff, feel free to comment. Even though I don't believe any of you watch the other matches, just the two that we talk about, right? Correct. I didn't even want to watch one of the matches that you made me watch. All right. Well, I did because traditionally the Road Warriors have really good matches on these Battle of the Belts. I made a mistake on this one tonight, unfortunately. Uh, so anyway, so here's some other here's some other ones. Uh, Gordon Soley and Stan Rhodes on here. And I don't even know who Stan Rhodes is. The good news is we didn't have to listen to Mike Rams on commentary this time on Battle of the Belt Shift. Yeah, thank goodness. He was horrible. Just well, so worried about getting himself over. Well, so is Stan Rhodes, by the way. He's terrible. All yes, right. So, so Dust, the, Dusty's first cousin. Yes. So the yes. So the first match, <laughs> the first match on this show, Tyree Pride defeats the Cuban assassin with 15 minutes. Luckily, on this match, the match was joined in progress and went 30 seconds. Tyree won with the roll up. I assume neither one of you want to comment on what was possibly an awful match that went 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm good. Nope. <laughs> Moving on. NWA Florida United. I did watch this whole show, by the way. NWA Florida United States tag team title. My first match is why do we have a U.S. tag team title uh, in Florida? Uh, the fabulous ones, uh, Stan Lane and Steve Kern, defeated the Sheep Herders, and we love the Sheep Herders on this pod. Um, the Sheep, uh, the fabulous ones came out to NXS, which popped me because I'm an old man. Uh, the Sheep Herders are a pod favorite. Uh, it was a that sounds like an NXT tag name. Tag team. It does. It does. NXS. Uh, solid tag match. Uh, Lane and Curran pulled a switch and small package for the win. It was very house showish, so I'd probably say it was around two in the quarter. Uh, the next match, again, I don't understand this one. The NWA United States Junior Heavyweight title. Again, don't understand why Florida has a U.S. Junior Heavyweight Champion in Florida. The Ninja, by the way, is the Great Muda. I believe you knew that, right, Schiff? Because we discussed that on our previous Battle of the Belts, or did you forget? Yeah, we we saw him. Yeah, we saw him, and I, and I remembered Okay, so he takes on <laughs> Tim Horner. This is an 11-minute match. Uh, we will also Ooh. see Tim. We will also see Tim Horner come to Crockett very soon as well. So you will be watching some Tim Horner. Um, this is a solid match between the both. It was about two and a half or so. Uh, the Ninja one with a moonsault. Uh, both were pretty good in this match. However, Horner would later have to give the belt back because Kendo Nagasaki interfered and they reversed the decision. So uh, no uh, junior heavyweight U.S. champion for the White Ninja. Tim Horner ends up retaining. Here's a real kicker. AWA World Heavyweight title match on the show. Nick Bockwinkle defeated Kendo Nagasaki by DQ in seven minutes. Um, you both know I love Nick Bockwinkle, but both these men looked 80 in this match. Um, Kendo Nagasaki had the really bad Tom Petty hair. Um, it was supposed to be Martel, but he couldn't be in the match, and the announcer sounded so bored at the end. Um, this was very 1970s, and both of you would have absolutely hated this match, so I'm glad I did not make you watch this. Um, the next match was, was for the NWA. having Martel in it. Okay, go fuck yourself. Uh, the next match, uh, the NWA. You only hate Mart. You, you hate noted noted hater of Rick Martel in Japan matches. Uh, Logan Crossland. Uh, NWA Florida Bahamian bah- 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 title. I can't even say the word Bahamian. Bahamian. There you go. Bahamian, there you go. The, the NWA Florida Bahamian title match. Kendall Winham defeated Chris Champion by DQ in four minutes. So Champion. We will see again later down the road as part of a tag team that lasted for a little while, which was one of my favorites. I can't wait to talk about that. And Kendall, we will also see down the line eventually. Nothing makes me think Bahamas 
like a 140-pound Kendall Windham guy, not you. Yeah, that sounds about right. They, I feel like okay. they just unnecessarily throw Florida into all of these title belts because doesn't the NWA Florida United States tie, the tag team titles, doesn't that kind of contradict itself? Shouldn't it just be the United States tag team titles? Well, we're going to talk about it. should just be Florida tag team titles. Well, should just be the Florida tag team title and Florida junior heavyweight title. We're going to talk about that later because we actually have a U.S. tag team title tournament for Crockett. But there's an NWA Florida. I mean, listen, why does Florida have this many fucking belts to begin with? I mean, there's already yeah. a ton of belts at Crockett. Why does Florida need this many belts? Anyway. And I feel like the Bahamian uh, title should just be the Bahamian title. So I don't know. Well, anyway, this match happened. Uh, champion won by DQ, and we'll go from there. And the last match uh, before the ones we talked about, they do have a Florida heavyweight title, and it was Ron Bass versus Barry Witham. The time ran out, but Barry won the belt that night to send fans happy, and we will talk a hell of a lot more Barry Windham on our next episode because on our next episode, uh, is it our next episode or the episode after that? Anyway, he becomes a regular fixture on Crockett, and he has a lot of great banger matches we'll talk about, but this would not be one of them. But, so your new uh, Florida heavyweight champion is uh, Barry Windham, which leads us Ron to— Bass didn't have a banger. <laughs> Ron Bass, not a banger. Uh, anyway, so the, the first match we'll talk about in detail for us for Battle of the Belts is the Road Warriors uh, taking on the shock troops of Ed Yanter and Kareem Mohammed, and they were with Sir Oliver Humperdinck. Uh, this match goes six and a half minutes, so I... <laughs> all right, anyway. So I will tell you, on the previous Battle of the Belts, the Road Warriors had some really, really great bangers. One of those matches they took on, I believe it was um, Stan Hansen and Harley Race, and that was a really, really fun brawl. But this one, oh my God. Uh, the crowd goes crazy for the Road Warriors. Uh, the Warriors have had all, again, they've had all out brawls and all of them, and I've liked them on these shows. Hawk goes outside with Gantner. Animal drop kicks to huge Kareem outside. Kareem and Animal collide um, inside to a standstill in the ring. Hawk and Gantner, stiff ass, clothesline each other. Heels work over Animals, some really terrible offense. They look very, very green, um, although Kareem is supposedly a veteran. All four in the ring. Uh, Gordon calls it a rough, raw beef in ring. Um, Animal kills the ref with a clothesline. Uh, a bunch of wrestlers come out. Chaos ensues. Uh, the brawl wasn't even that good. Too much wrestling, actually. Um, Should have just let him go at it like uh, the Road Warriors in previous ba- uh, Battle of the Belts matches. Um, also, my other question is, why do the Road Warriors have to go to a double DQ with these two? So here's here's what happens later on. Kareem would go on to beat Barry Wyndham for the Florida title uh, later in the year before Wyndham goes to Crockett permanently. Close Gantner, it down. Just close it down. Yeah. By the way, Gantner would also get a Florida title one run, but he retired in 1987 for health issues due to steroid abuse. And he had a very sad ending. He had a lot of mental issues as well. And he committed suicide in 1990. And Kareem died of a heart attack in the mid-90s. This match was fucking awful. I couldn't even barely go half a star on this. Schiff, I'll let you. What did you, what did you think of this absolute shit show? This match sucks. So bad. Um, like I so have, so I have a note, I have a note that says basic match. Why isn't the Road Warriors destroying these people? Exactly. Uh, what What was impressive was Animal Slam, the 400 pound guy. Which, even though you said their names, I don't care enough to remember them. Um, like <laughs> it, it was just basic power stuff, but no flow to the match. And like hot tag to Hawk, and he drilled the big guy with the forearm. Hawk was just like you know beating everyone's ass, and then, like, all four fighting, ref gets thrown down by everyone, more refs come in, they get beaten down. 
wrestlers come in to break the match. I, I gave it a quarter of a star, and it's literally just for Animal slamming the 400-pound guy and Hawk, like, hitting the guy with a forearm. So, yeah, it, it, this was one of the worst matches we've had to watch for uh, for this for this podcast, Sean. And, we, and, and as you guys can tell, I started off so hot, and then it's like the, this – I had to Paul. I just take a break after watching this match, and it was just six minutes, but it felt like sixty minutes. So, Shift, no comment on uh, their opponents. One dying from a suicide, and one from a heart attack. Not long after this, no comment there. Nope. Just R.I.P. <laughs> Sorry to hear about their loss. Wow, wow. wow. Shift being on his best behavior, Logan. So, Logan, what did you think of this match? God, uh, no, it was it was pretty terrible. Um, I'm going to go half star for the literal purpose of I laughed my ass off when the 500 pound uh, African-American man went ass over tea kettle over the top rope. Uh, so that made me laugh real hard. Um, I, I, I thought this match would be a squash. So I just put Warriors versus Jobbers. Uh, so I didn't even write down the team name, kind of like Chip said. Um, this was a lot more competitive than I would have expected or liked it to be for the Road Warriors. I'd like to just see the Road Warriors uh, kill guys in the, ma- in the in the ring. So uh, it kind of made it worse for that reason, uh, and they didn't look comfortable selling. And plus the double DQ made it even worse on top of that. So, yeah, I'll go half star for the uh, over-the-top rope bump by the 500-pound African-American man. All right. Yeah, K- uh, Kareem Muhammad. Who Kareem, there you go. Sorry. Died of a heart attack in the mid-'90s. Mm-hmm. Not shocking, because he was a gigantic individual. Not shocking. And by the way, Ed Ganter, uh, his nickname was Ed the Bull Gantner, by the way. And unfortunately... Sounds like a serial killer name, Ed Ganter. Well, anyway, uh, rest in peace to both those gentlemen, and rest in peace uh, to uh, Road Warrior Hawk. And Animal. Oh, yeah, that's right. Animal passed away, too, didn't he? All dead. Yeah, all dead. Rest in peace. Do not do not hold him accountable to this match. Go watch something better. All right. Uh, so Ed, Ed, Ed Gamper reminded me of Ed Kemper with the name, who was the serial killer that we saw in. Um, he was the co-ed killer. If you guys watched um, Mine Hunters. Okay, moving on. Match number six. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Seth. Oh, sorry. Serious pod. I can't laugh. Serious pod, Seth. <laughs> I, I, I all apologize. Right. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So our sixth match of the night we're going to watch tonight is so Logan. I believe when we covered June of '86, you were on when we were talking about the uh, feud between Luger and Flair, right? Or the yeah, start up to this. Yeah, a couple interviews and stuff. Yeah, I think so. And they had a match and they had a schmoz, which all came to this. So tonight, uh, uh, Lex Luger, who has only been wrestling, I think, literally since the beginning of this year. Uh, We get a two out of three falls match, the main event on TV tonight. It is Lex Luger versus Ric Flair. And this is kind of a big payoff. Like I said, the three of us covered this, I believe, back in June of 86 uh, when we did this. uh, Ten months ago, we talked about this. So this is a rematch. So Luger's out um, in his white wife beater and and he's out to back in black. Uh, He is the current Southern heavyweight champion. So yet another freaking title belt here in Florida. this is two out of three falls, a uh, 20 minute time period. So I was a little confused by how that whole dynamic works. So um, that was a little strange. So flare out to the most non flare music ever, um, which is a song called Dance Champion by Cool in the Gang. Uh, so I, I don't know what it is. Every time he did the Battle of the Belts, Flair always came out to this weird ass music. So they shake hands. Luger dominates early with his strength and no cells, flare, chopping forearms. Luger does two press slams. First one he did. Um, but he, but he, first one he uh, he did it by the tights, but he did it right the second time. 
Uh, Flair has had enough and then punches him in the balls as he comes off the ropes, which made me laugh out loud, literally. Uh, Luger is down for a bit. He comes back, but misses a charge and hurts his knee in the corner. Flair gets a back suplex and works the leg. Uh, Flair is showing his strength, lifting Luger up a few times, which I thought was pretty impressive. He does a figure four. Flair grabs the ropes, so and we get the lamest three count and a figure four you will ever see to win the first fall. So the first fall goes to Flair and was really, really lame, I thought, in how he did it. So anyway, fall two. Um, Gordon also caused the lame pinfall, a good move uh, uh, by Luger to tap out to preserve the match in his career. Uh, Flair is right back to the leg, work on Luger. Flair misses a butt drop to the, uh, to the leg while it's draped on the top rope as uh, Luger moves out of it. Uh, Luger hits a clothesline to Flair's chest, out, Flair's chest out of the corner, power slam, and Luger gets three for fall number two. And again, this is kind of the second time where I thought the fall was kind of lame. And again, this is kind of a big pinfall. This is Luger's first year in wrestling, and he actually has a pinfall over the world champion, Ric Flair. So Flair really making an error, um, even though, again, the first two falls I thought were pretty lame. So fall number three, Luger gets a bear hug on Flair when he jumps from top rope. Flair in control later, but misses a knee, and Luger rams Flair knee to the ring post. Flair with a sleeper inside. Luger runs him into the corner to escape. Luger with a sleeper press slam. Uh, Flair gets a back suplex. Luger knocks Flair down. Really great back and forth action between the two. Flair sends Luger outside. Next, uh, throws Flair into post and Flair is busted open. Luger does a press slam, uh, press slams him into the ring and punches a cut. Flair fights back in a figure four again using the ropes, but Luger reverses it. And Luger gets a power slam for two with 30 seconds to go. There's a bear hug and the time limit expires. The crowd is furious, so two falls each and one draw. Flair retains. That last fall was fucking lit. The crowd chants bullshit loudly. Uh, this was pretty great. I hated the first two actual falls and what they were, but the third fall match itself for me. The third fall was four stars. The other two, eh, eh, but all in, I went three and a half, and we will see Luger again also very, very soon. So, Schiff, I will go to you first. What did you think? I really like this overall. Third fall was Yeah, I, I agree with you, Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what you can see from the very beginning is Flair and Luger have great chemistry, which we'll see later on uh, in this watch, like towards the end. Um, and by the way, but, this match is also the match that made Flair want Luger to join the Horseman. I need to add that. This match right here did that for him. So go ahead. Sorry. I uh, will say Luger looks so young um, here. Like I, he just looks like a baby. Um you know, he hits the press slam on Flair uh, going in before, you know, we uh, get the first fall. But uh, I love that Luger missed a knee in the turnbuckle and Flair immediately um, starts to work the leg, which I thought was very smart. And he got the figure four and then he got the three count in the figure four. And I loved after like the first fall, like Flair was still working the leg. He tried to get a knee drop, but like Luger moved over and um, Luger got the power slam out of nowhere. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, and then, um, then actually see Luger working Flair's leg, and uh, which I thought was nice. And Luger actually busted out a sunset flip, which I think is the first and only time I've seen Luger do that. So, um, and you can tell by this point both men are just exhausted. And um, but there was a point where Luger hit a press slam, and he feels like he's about to win, and he showboated a little bit, and I think that obviously cost him the match. And um, you know, Luger slammed Flair back in the ring, and actually got just a one count, which I was shocked for. Um, and then we had got the time limit draw, and actually a bullshit chant was heard uh, at the end of this by, by me. And uh, I went three and three quarters for this. I was really enjoying all this. Yeah, I went three and a half. You're three and three quarters again, Logan. I thought the third fall was really, really, really good. Uh, probably the best out of uh, all three. So what would you think? 
Yeah, the third fall was absolutely uh, the the best fall. Um, it was a bit slow at points in those first couple, so I get where you're coming from. I, I went three and three quarters like Shift did. Uh, like I said, the match starts out kind of slow. Flair trying to kind of outwit Luger while Luger overpowers him. Um, things kind of start to pick up when Luger just kind of starts flaming Flair around, and then Flair starts working the leg. Um, I kind of like that he actually got the three count in the figure four. It is kind of lame, but I, he – you know, they count on that a lot of the times that they don't actually get it. So I kind of like that we saw that somebody actually hmm. actually went down to the uh, three count on the on the figure four. Um, the sit down splash that Flair did uh, that he missed, it had to hurt the hell out of his ass because he landed just ass first straight on the mat. I, I felt like that had to just reverberate through his body and just feel awful. Um, I thought this power slam to end uh, fall two was awesome. But, yeah, this is just an absolute war. Uh, the two guys beat the crap out of each other. Uh, was slow at points, but overall was great. I hate time limit draws. Probably would have gone higher if it wasn't wasn't that. Uh, but I understand the necessity at this point. But, yeah, three and three quarters. Loved it. Yeah, the 20-minute time period draw thing. I mean, it was just very, very – I mean, the match total time was 31 minutes and 18 seconds. So that whole time limit draw thing was really, really weird. So, yeah, um, I just don't yeah. like him in general, but I, I get I get why they were ne- necessary in some of these situations. Yeah, but I mean, again, yeah, for Luger being in his first year, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, oh, it's just insane how good this match was. So yeah, go, this would be one that I would say, along with the best of seven, that first one we talked about, I would say go watch this one. This one was really really good. Um, that battle of the belts, probably the probably the only match on that battle of the belts show that I would actually go out of my way to watch. To be honest <laughs> with you. All right, so we will go back to um, that's battle of the belts three. So now we will go to September 9th, and we are going to the syndicated shows back on Crockett. And once again, we have another title match, and it is for the World TV title. So Dusty Rhodes did not win the world title back from Ric Flair on the match we talked about. So he is now going to charge challenge Arn Anderson for the TV title. So Arn has held the title uh, since January, where he won it in the tournament. And if you remember... He won it in a tournament when Dusty was stripped because Dusty couldn't defend it because the horseman had attacked his leg. Um, so this is a big match here. And um, by the way, uh, shift the return of Trucker Hat Arn. We haven't seen Arn in his Trucker Hat in a long time, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really so Logan, is. I don't know. Where, do, have you ever been privy to Trucker Hat Arn? I think I've seen it at a time or two. So, yeah, I mean, Ar- Arn's awesome. Arn's could wear, honestly, anything, and he would look awesome in it. Well, a fedora, well, Ar- a trucker yeah, hat. Yeah, the fedora. The tr- yeah, I love the fedora Arn and trucker hat Arn. We don't get to see it enough. So, anyway, Johnny <laughs> Weaver does a really uh, great job of telling the story of these two in the history. So, uh, we don't talk about Johnny Weaver a whole lot on this show, but normally it's Crockett. And normally it's uh, Norm- 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 Tony. But I think Johnny Weaver really does a really good job here just telling the story of their history. Uh, Dusty does a lot of taunting and false elbow poses, and crowd loves it. Dusty does spinning punch to Arn on a sunset flip attempt. Arn works the arm, does some nice knees to the side and an arm, and then goes to the leg, pulling the tape off of it and rubbing his elbows into it. I, I freaking love Arn limb work. Uh, Dusty escapes a spinning till hold with a pretty weak punch to Arn's leg. Dusty goes for a figure four, but Arn's previous leg work causes him pain on the twist, and he collapsed. Um, and again, I love the sell of this. Arn goes right back to the working leg, but he escapes and throws Arn outside. He goes to drop a knee to Arn outside, and Arn moves a Dusty's knee, hits the freaking wood, which looked absolutely hurt, like it hurt like hell. Arn attacks the leg and throws Dusty back into the ring, but Dusty up and beats Arn when he rolls in with punches, but Arn kicks the leg. Arn up by the ropes, sleep off, but clothesline by Dusty. Dusty throws Arn, to the, uh, throws Arn into the ropes, but he collides with Ref, who falls out of the ring. And by the way, it is not Tommy Rung. It is actually a Hebner this time, and it falls out of the ring, and not Young. 
And as Iron Falls, he literally sweeps Dusty legs, which was really fucking smooth and Dusty falls. So I love that spot. Iron grabs the chair and he goes to smack the leg, but Dusty moves. Um, Dusty's up and a DDT to the chair, the ref in, and we get a three. And Dusty Rhodes is the new world TV champion to a crazy, crazy, crazy crowd reaction. Um, the, uh, the Midnight Express running the check on Arm, which is, I thought was weird because there's no horsemen. Uh, post-match, Dusty conducts an interview about every, everything has been taken away from him, but you can't take his heart. He calls out the rest of the horsemen. He says he's coming for them, and Baby Doll knows where she can kiss him. Um, I, I really love the limb work and the selling in this. A lot of little things that made this match really, really good for me. I went three and a quarter in this. I really, really enjoyed this match. Logan, what did you think? Yeah, I went three on it. Um... I, I kind of expected it to be a little bit better than it was. It was a lot of limb work, and it kind of bored me at points. But but it's uh, but it's Arn Anderson limb work in '86, and I, I I have a soft spot in my heart for that in this time mm. frame. So yeah I'm yeah, yeah yeah yeah. If it was anybody else, I probably would have gone much lower. But um yeah, I do think that this was a perfect matchup of guys. Dusty throws great punches and stuff like that, and Arn sells them uh, better than pretty much anybody in the business. But yeah, I went a little lower than you at three, but I, I, I was just a, a little bit disappointed in it, kind of wanted a little bit more action, and it was a lot of limb work. But uh, yeah, like you said, Arn, Arn is one of the best at doing that, so uh, still still pretty good. Yeah, so uh, yet another title change. And by the way, by the time we get to the end of the, by the way, every title at this point in Crockett has changed since the end of the bash. Now, every single title has changed. <laughs> Uh, every single one. Uh, and we're going to talk about a new title that's created too here in a minute. Schiff, what did you think of this match? I really enjoyed this match. Uh, I went three and a half on it. Um, I love that, uh, Dusty, um, like Arn working over Dusty's leg and then Dusty tried to figure four, but but couldn't hold it. Um, I I really enjoyed that. And Arn's working the leg and screaming, ask him, ask him. Um, and like how you said, Sean, when Dusty just kicked, I mean, when Arn just kicked Dusty in the leg and he just, like, drops like a sack of potatoes, it, it's just great selling. Um, and Dusty actually, uh, Dusty hit a nice clothesline on Arn, who was coming off the top rope, which I really liked. And then Arn missing the chair. No one can hit a chair shot in 86 Crockett, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I love how Dusty ddt Arn on the chair, and Dusty got the win. And it was it was a hot match. Um do I think Dusty needs a TV title? No, I don't, but that's a case for another day. Yeah, so, uh, but that also, so as we talked about earlier, Tully lost his national title. Dusty's now the TV champion, so you probably know where this is headed, and we'll talk more about that feud as we uh, go along here. All right, so moving on. So again, like I said, we have all new champions now. We have hit the reset on the champions, but we are not done. So, um, on September the 28th, 1986, there was a tournament for the NWA U.S. Tag Team Championship. And this tournament was announced earlier in the month of September. And Schiff, you will remember this. Way back in January, we had the national tag team titles. They had to be vacated because Dusty Rhodes took out Ole Anderson. And they retired the national tag team titles and they have rechristened them the U.S. Tag Team Titles. Do you remember that when we retired? Ugh. Vaguely, um, okay. vaguely, but yeah, okay. it's just too many, too many titles. Like, All right. What are we doing? So anyway, now we have the NWA U.S. Tag Team Titles. By the way, one of my favorite looking titles because they're really, really different. As I stare at it on my shelf right now, it is one of my favorite looking ones. Kind of like it's a red belt, really cool USA on it. So it's one of my favorite all-time looking championship belts. It's really unique. 
So anyway, so here is who was in the tournament. These all took place at the Omni in Atlanta on September 28, 1986, and here was the tournament. So it had Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. They defeated Tim Horner and Nelson Royal. <laughs> Great team there. Tony Blanchard and Jimmy Garvin defeated Jimmy Valiant and Manny Fernandez. Tony Blanchard and Jimmy Garvin were a tag team. Uh, Dick Murdoch and Ron Garvin fought the Midnight Express to a 20-minute draw, so they were both eliminated. Uh, Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA defeated Baron Von Raschke and Shaska Watley. Dutch Mantell and Bobby Jaggers, who were a team called the Kansas Jayhawks, defeated Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell. Um, in the semifinals, it was Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev defeated Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA by disqualification. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks defeated Tully Blanchard and Jimmy Garvin. It's a big win there for them. And then the finals, Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev became the new United States Tag Team Champions, the first ever, when they defeated Dutch Mantel and Bobby Jackson for the titles. Uh, Koloff pinned Mantel after Khrushchev struck Mantel in the back with the Russian chain. Um, and then NWA U.S. Champion Nikita Khrushchev and the chain. So, uh, Logan, any thoughts on the Russians being the new U.S. tag team? So all three Russians now hold all the U.S. belts. Any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, feel, I feel like Dutch Mantel being the uh, the uh, na- American nationalist that he is was quite pissed that all the Russians had the U.S. titles. So uh, <laughs> I imagine he was quite pissed at that one. But that, that, that makes sense. All the Russians have the U.S. belts. Uh, Espe- especially, uh, in 1980, especially in 1986, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, ex- absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no bigger heat there than giving the Russians all your U.S. titles. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schiff, any thought here on this? Yeah, um, Kansas Jayhawks is a horrible name. I know that's the name of their college team, but it doesn't work as a tag team unless they come out dressed like the basketball team. In no, no, they come out in black singlet tights with uh, a bull uh, with a uh, with a uh, what is it? A bullwhip. They have bullwhips with cowboy hats. I was like, what does it have to do with the Jayhawks? Yeah. It's cowboy. Well, they're cowboys. It's cowboys. Cowboy hats. A Jayhawks bird, though. I don't know what the fuck they're calling themselves Jayhawks for, then. But they're cowboys. And by, hey, by the way, Bobby Jaggers has probably been in one of the worst matches we've ever watched on this podcast history, by the way. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, he was, really, he was really bad. Yeah, really, really, really bad. Really bad. Really, is really he, bad. Is he, is he mixed, brother? No, he's not. Not even close. And he like, doesn't have the moves, either. No, no he's, he's rather portly, by the way. He's from, he was in Portland. He's a big. He's a big guy. Was in Portland wrestling, and we watched a match with him. That was yeah, just, I, I, I got it. I was just messing around. So awful. <laughs> so we we so we we will actually. I don't think we ever really actually watch a match with the Kansas Jayhawks because the next match that they're in, I think that would even be near us. What we would talk about would be Starcade '86, and I don't even think we have that match that we talk about in that show. But they have a rematch with the Russians for the U.S. Tag Team Titles in that, in that show. So uh, we will talk about them later, but they're not around very long. So. Anyway, your new U.S. Tag Team Champions, Ivan Koloff and Kresser Khrushchev, and all the Russians hold all the belts. Which leads me to our next match, uh, which happened on the same card the same night. So the National Heavyweight Champion, Wahoo McDaniel, had beaten uh, Tully Blanchard for the national title earlier in the month in L.A. So on the course of the Saturday night shows leading up to the night, there was a big uh, thing between Wahoo McDaniel and... um, you and uh, Nikita Koloff, and they want Nikita wanted to. There was a big squabble around. Well, they want to unify the matches. So uh, Crockett set up a unified title match for the national title and the U.S. title, and this is their way of getting rid of the national title, which needed to go because you didn't need a national champion and a U.S. champion. 
Um, and Wahoo thought the national title was more important than the U.S. title. And Nikita thought the U.S. title. And it was a big debate over who was the number one contender. Just unify the belts and you can take one belt out of the game. And this is where we're at. Um, unfortunately, Wahoo McDaniel was the one that has the belt. So um, obviously they didn't want to do Nikita versus Wahoo or Nikita versus Tolly. So we get Wahoo versus Nikita. So here we are. Ivan's out with Nikita. I have no idea who these freaking announcers are on this match. I've never heard of either one of them. There's a ridiculous test of strength tie up that Wahoo gets the best of uh, sending Nikita outside. Nikita asked for another one and Wahoo chopped him right outside the ring. I did. I actually did laugh at that. Uh, from there, the bulk of the uh, match is boring headlocks by both. There's a few bear hugs on Wahoo. Wahoo slides his arm between them and reverses the bear hug. Wahoo lights uh, Nikita up with chops and a suplex and then more chops. On a crisscross, Nikita drops down and Wahoo stops himself, turns to chop Nikita who moves, and Wahoo chops Tommy Young out of the ring with Schiff. I assume you appreciated that at least, right? It was like one of the few things I enjoyed about this match. Okay. Wahoo beats up Nikita some more. He goes to get the ref. Uh, he gets him out on the apron, but Nikita does, uh, does a sickle from behind, and there's a three, and Nikita now has unified the titles. There is just one U.S. champion, and it is Nikita Koldoff. Um, definitely a slow parts which, uh, with these two, as I expected, especially in the middle, but I thought the lead-up to the finish was creative, and um, and I don't give a fuck. I'll watch Wahoo chop fuckers all day long. I gave it a gentleman's two. Logan, I'll go to you first. What do you think? Yeah, I went I went one and a half. Uh, lots of stalling at the beginning of this one. It was very hard hitting and a, a lot of uh, it was very heavy submission based as well. Uh, but this one was a bit more plotting and boring than a lot of the other matches. I think I kind of compared it too much to the other matches because I probably would have gone probably gentlemen's too like you did. I mean, let's be honest. Wahoo McDaniel has no business holding the major title this late in the game in 86. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I, yeah, just I, I think Wahoo just bores me uh, in general. But I, it was very hard-hitting, and I do like to see that a lot. But, uh, yeah, it was just real plotting and boring compared to the other matches. And that's probably unfair to this match, but, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. One and a half. <laughs> yeah, Schiff, I'm sorry. I am a huge mark for Wahoo Chops, but that's about all I'm a mark for at this point for him. But what did you think? <sighs> I went half a star. This shit sucked. Oh, there's no other way around it. I wasn't that bad. I, here, here's my here's my notes. Test of strength to start out. Another one, but Wahoo punches Nikita. Now headlock of doom. Nikita now choking Wahoo. Now bear hug. They say force the Indian to Smith. That wouldn't. You can't say that today. Match has like negative heat. Another bear hug. Just basic strikes. Rough down and Wahoo gets get gets ping. I don't even know what the hell that means. Nikita hits Wahoo and we get the pin. Half a star. Mm. So playing the role of Colin McDougal tonight is uh, Scott Shifflett. That's what I heard. And it you sucks because like. Most of these match, all these matches, but two were amazing, and like it, it like I've lost the will to live momentarily, or at least continue right. watching 1986 Crockett. Well, I'm glad we could close it on a good note for you tonight. So, that, guys, that's all our matches. So, literally, we covered August through September, and the real story is here as we get ready to. So, the next month on the pod, we are going to cover all things October, November that lead to Starcade '86. So, we'll cover. Quite a wide range on our next episode, but all the titles have changed. The national title is gone. Um, we have added uh, the U.S. tag team title, so we got rid of one title. We've added a tag team title. Too many titles, but it all sets up nicely as we head into uh, the build to Starcade 86. So uh, 
We're, we don't do. I'm not going to do awards anymore on this show because it's more about telling the timeline, the stories, and what's going on. Uh, but I will go. We'll, we'll talk about what we thought our best and worst matches were, and then our overall thoughts. So, uh, best match for me uh, was the first Magnum versus Nikita, followed closely by Luger versus Flair. Shift. How about you? Going by star ratings, it is the Magnum and Nikita, and then um, it's the Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express. Interesting. Uh, uh, Logan, what about you? Uh, yeah, definitely the first Magnum and Nikita match, uh, number six out of the best of seven. Okay, and then... Yes, game six, yes. Okay, and then for, on the overall thoughts, so for me overall... Um, it's just an interesting watch. I think, uh, you know, the best of seven wrap up was great. All the tag, cha- all the freaking title changes are really, really interesting. The um, Flair versus Luger thing from Florida is outstanding. Um, it's just odd that they did all this like out of the bash, like just some weird booking. But overall, a really, really solid watch, and it has me excited for the build of Starcade because that's really what this is. Is at this point, it's like, hey, we're coming out of the bash. We're gonna reset everything. And as we get into October, November, we're going to move towards Starcade, and I feel like that's really it. So I thought this was a really good overall watch. Shift, what'd you think? Yeah, um, I would give this a five out of five, uh, four and a half out of five, because those two matches sucked. But yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking to rate it. I just think overall, it's just a really good, solid thing of profit. I mean, I know you're, oh, you're going yes, Danger Pod. You're like Danger Pod here. We're not in Danger Pod. <laughs> it's just overall what you felt, how you felt about it. Okay. Oh well, it's right. great to be. I loved it. All right, great. And Logan, what did you think overall? Well, well, the rules, the rules of that uh, that award at the end of that pot is made up, and uh, the, the numbers don't matter. So <laughs> I'm just playing. That is true. Uh, that is at this point, they sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I thought this was a really strong episode. A lot of good matches, some crappy ones, but for the most part, I thought it was really strong. Um, you know, it is kind of weird that they do all these title changes out of the bash, but I think they know that like the bash is a big deal. A lot of fans go to that one. A lot of fans look forward to that one. And though they may have not gotten the title changes there, to get them and hook them back in as they head towards Starcade, they do a bunch of title changes on TV. So you're like, come to our shows. You know you might see a title change because we just did a bunch back in, or right back to back to back here. So And, and you know, kind of like Schiff said earlier, maybe it was kind of a reset to uh, figure out where they wanted to go next. And obviously – Plans will change even further with uh, with the accident that we'll talk about in the next episode, obviously. Yeah, so what leads me to our, our um, next episode. So, again, we'll talk about um, October into uh, November. And so the, the hot topics on the next one. So we'll cover a lot of the angles that lead to the major matches at Starcade. So, yes, unfortunately, we will talk about uh a jimmy valiant because there is a match between valiant and jones and i one thing i do promise you guys that you will appreciate on this reboot <laughs> we do we do not have a lot of jimmy valiant on this podcast but no big mama take a start uh we do have a very 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 amusing one time big mama appearance on our next podcast you will not see big mama after that ever again um but there is a very funny video that it will be very humorous but you have my word so we'll talk about that we will also talk about the, the first appearance of one ravishing Rick Rude coming to Crockett. So, Shift, did you know that Rick Rude came in this early? Yeah, I know that he eventually even becomes tag team champions with Manny Fernandez. We will talk about that. We will talk about um, the Rock and Roll Express and Anderson's feud uh, heating up now that Anderson's no longer TV champion. We will talk about Magnum TA's uh, accident and what happened with that and how 
uh, Dusty booked on the fly and a major, major face turn that happened because of it. Um, and I think everybody knows which one uh, leads to the formation of the superpowers. Um, we also have a major feud that starts between the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express that leads to a legendary scaffold match. And uh, Logan, great news for you. Uh, I believe you will be on the next episode. I believe Schiff, you will not be because you will be on vacation. Uh, we will have a match between the Funk Brothers and the Road Warriors from Japan that we will talk about, Logan. Ooh, that, that sounds pretty I, good. I hope that goes back to our, goes better than our last trip to, trip across the pond. So, well, <laughs> it is it is YouTube roulette favorite the Funks against the Road Warriors. So I'm going to cross my fingers. In 1986, that has the potential to be pretty fucking great. I hope. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Yeah, Sh- Schiff, I'm sorry you'll miss that one, but I will send you the link so you could watch it because I would think you'd probably thoroughly enjoy that match. I would imagine. Yes. All right. If it's them beating the hell out of each other, yes. Yeah, well, I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope for the best. So, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about on our next episode um, that'll lead to Starcade. And then the episode after that, obviously, we'll talk about Starcade 86. So, uh, Scott and uh, Logan, thank you for joining me tonight on the official reboot uh, of episode number 55 here on Crock and Roll. The other thing I'll add, guys, on this is there is no set time frame for us to drop this pod. Um, I know before we were on an every two week cadence. Uh, one of the things in us coming back is, you know what? When we have the time to watch, when we have the time to do it, we will record the pod. So there will be no like official schedule to this. Um, I do appreciate uh, Scott, the pod father, um, Chris Colo, allowing us to record this pod and say, hey, when you're available to do it, let me know and then dropping it when it drops. But we will definitely uh, shill it on Twitter and on all our platforms. So um, more to come. But uh, just happy to get this first official reboot out of the way. So before we go, Scott Shiflet, anything you would like to plug that you are doing besides this rebooted podcast? Uh, no, nah, just check out everything uh, on all three feeds, the pop feed, the wrestling feed, and the no-so feed. Just everyone's just doing great work. Um, yeah, glad to be back. All right. Uh, Logan, how about you, since you are the cornerstone of uh, PTPN pods at this point? <laughs> You said it, not me. Um, <laughs> uh, you, we ha- we may have a episode of YouTube Roulette coming out somewhere in the near decade, uh, so uh, ch- look out for that whenever it does come out. Um, Chicken Salad and Starflation, I do that with Ben and Callum. Um, uh, we just recorded uh, the anniversary show that Sean joined us for uh, on Chicken Which Salad, which I actually had fun on. That was a, that was a very fun episode. Yeah, I you, say, you, you say that like it's shocking. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I hadn't been on it. Well, you know, you never know with that show, but it been a year and i actually had a really good time so <laughs> yeah we watched uh, vengeance 05 so that was a lot of fun we watched a good show for our anniversary and then highway to the impact zone uh we are about to record the sacrifice 2006 episode so uh check that out and then who's next with andy gatherton is a current day nxt pod so check all the feeds out and check all those shows out yeah logan logan on almost every podcast on the every single feed at this point in time yeah. uh, uh yeah, as for me uh <laughs> Obviously, this one when we can. Um, and I will just I will just plug right now. Go listen if you have not listened to it or you don't know about it on the North South Connection. Uh, Chef, Chef Logan and Matt Souza and uh, Jacob Williams um, join me for the journey of the Dangerous Alliance, the Seven Months of Danger Pod. When we put this show on the hiatus, uh, I wanted to do a 23 part mini. Well, it ended up being a mini series, but it was a 23 part mini series we did on the entire run of the Dangerous Alliance. We started with the kind of a Halloween Havoc in 91 and ran it all the way to the end of Larry being kicked out. 
Um, really had a weird ending. It wasn't like the official ending of it was really, really bizarre, um, which we'll talk about on the last episode. We record that next week. But if you had not listened, that has just a, been a I don't know what happened. We I, It started out as kind of a project to be serious. And I think Schiff and Logan, you would probably agree. It's turned it into one of the most batshit funniest podcasts I think I've ever done in the history of podcasts that I've ever done. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I feel like it's, it's enjoyable, but not for like wrestling purposes for some reason. I feel like the banter we have is uh, really good, but uh, it hasn't been the most exciting uh, and the most uh, enthralling uh, action. And uh, just uh, I, I just feel like the group itself just hasn't really wowed us like we, we all thought they may have. But uh, but yeah, real, real fun. I will certainly say it's probably the most in depth you'll ever get in that freaking podcast in that group ever. You'll never get enough. Oh, yeah. You'll never get anything more in depth in, than you will in that podcast with that group ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shiv, how about you? Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun watching the part that like you know I've only seen bits and pieces of. So it's uh, you know it's it's lost some people, but I'm I'm still chugging along. Yep. So. I don't know when this is coming out. By the time you hear this, though, we will be recording the final two episodes. So by the time this comes out, the entire run of that show might be on North-South Connection. So we get a lot of good feedback on it. Um, But go give it a listen. You'll enjoy it. I mean, there's never an episode longer than an hour and a half. But since it is 23 episodes, uh, maybe you could just knock it out in, you know, 36 hours if you want to and go from there. God damn, we spent 36 hours on that shit, guys. Think about that. We've had had a fan recently uh, chug through them, so it, it is possible. It is. Uh, and we watched over 120 matches of the Dangerous Alliance. So uh, stick that in your pipe. Oh, and Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, so with that, uh, Scott and Logan, again, so happy to be back. Thank you guys uh, for joining me on the uh, relaunch of NWA Crack and Roll. And uh, don't have a time frame on when our next episode will drop, but I guarantee you we will be back. And that will cover pretty much October through November on the build to Starcade 86. And until then, Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you when the next episode drops.